0: Back in September, we started a a new series uh, for um, exploring the Christian faith for people who have genuine questions about God, genuine questions that if they could stand before God. And I I think that's a, a really flippant comment that a lot of people make sometimes is, you know, if I was standing before God, you know what I'd ask Him? And... And what, and they, they act like they, uh, they're gonna stand before God and, and just be like equals, you know, talking to somebody. And I have a feeling they'd be blown away by God's holy presence. But anyway, uh, the dear God is the, is the whole idea that if you had a chance to ask God a question, what would you ask him? And the question that we've arrived at this week, I don't know if you remember last week was, God, why don't you get rid of the evil that's in the world? And we talked about evil and how it is real and how it does affect our lives and how it does hinder and hamper and sometimes wound us very deeply in our lives. But the great thing about evil is evil is temporary. It is not eternal. And evil is going away someday, thanks to the Lord Jesus. And in the book of Revelation, we see how the whole thing ends when uh, the Lord himself takes the devil and he throws him into the lake of fire he takes death and the hades the place of the dead and throws them into the lake of fire and then the bible says and together we we will we will forever be with the lord so that's something that we can look forward to no matter what happens to us here in this life on earth remember this life here on earth is just like a dot compared to a long straight line that lasts for eternity so this life that we're living here on earth is only the beginning Of our eternal life with God forever now the question we've arrived to for today is dear God why am I so afraid why am I so afraid I don't know if any of you guys have uh, issues where you face with fear sometimes fear can be debilitating some people suffer uh, from what some people call an irrational fear which is called a phobia Let me explore the word phobia just uh, real quick. Uh, Phobia is a persistent, strong, irrational fear of a specific object or activity or situation. And this, this irrational fear leads to a compelling desire, almost like a panic desire to avoid whatever it is that the person is afraid of. Here are some examples. Uh, I know this because our son Tyler, as big and tough as he is, I don't know if he's still suffering from that. Probably not so much anymore. But when he was a kid, he was scared of spiders. And he would always ask us to come into the room and take care of some spider. That's arachnophobia. Some of you have fear of enclosed spaces, fear of being locked in a trunk or being in a tight place. And you think, what would I ever do? I'd panic. Uh, And that is claustrophobia. Claustrophobia. The one that I mentioned in the video promo on Thursday, if you saw that, is there is a genuine phobia out there now. In fact, I was driving along one of the roads, one of the beautiful country roads of Sebastopol between the vineyards and the dairies, and there was this sign, and it was this evil clown. And it was, I looked at it, and I looked away, and I looked again, and it was, it was really creepy. Um, Rophobia. now you know the official term for the fear of clowns. It, it is out there. The, the next one is my son in law, Craig's, a uh, genuine fear that he has. He's a company with Indiana Jones, of course, in this one, which is a, a phidiophobia, uh, the fear of snakes. You remember when Indiana Jones lands in that pit and he's like, snakes? Why did it have to be snakes? You know, I, I can agree with that, uh, with that phobia. That could be legitimate. And then uh, this particular one, I know there are a lot of people that do not want to go to the doctor or they don't want to go to the dentist. If you don't want to go to the dentist, you have a fear of this drilling sound. And you're like, ah, I've got to get out of here. Run. It, some people have a genuine fear of doctors and the fear of needles, of getting stuck or poked. Um, <laughs> my mom says that when she brought us three boys into the doctor's office, my older brother Joe started crying because he was told he had to get a shot, and the next thing he knew, we were all crying because Joe was crying. Uh, not that I, I, she said, I don't think you guys were scared of getting the shot, but your brother's crying, and it must be something to cry about. So, we all started crying. So, anyway, fear of needles. Uh, I get the point. You know, some people are afraid of that. All right, moving right along. There's more, plenty more phobias out there. There is a High Anxiety, if you're Mel Brooks, uh, the movie he made, The Fear of Heights, Acrophobia. Uh, somebody help me with the pronunciation of this one. Ter- teromerhanophobia, or The Fear of Flying. Uh, that is a real fear that people have. In fact, I have a story about that a little bit later on. Entomophobia, The Fear of Insects, my wife Lisa, God bless her, but uh, she does not like cockroaches. You hate cockroaches. Well, who does, right? But I tell you, when you go to Costa Rica and you realize that cockroaches are the size of small pets, you might be, you might be afraid of them too. And they fly. yeah. Uh, this one is a genuine fear. Some people have this fear as much as the actual fear of dying or the fear of death is the fear of speaking in public. Um, and some people even fear dying while speak, speaking in public, so that's even worse. Um, this one, uh, when all the lights are turned out, I know a lot, of small, a lot of children have this fear. Some people still have this fear. That's why God gave us the nightlight. Thank you, Thomas Edison, uh, for fear of the dark, Nyctophobia. Uh, this other one is, is a different kind of a fear, but it is a powerful fear as well, and that is the fear of rejection. If you can ever remember from your teenage years when you got into the peer pressure and the group think and how you thought the worst thing in the world would be rejected by your friends. I mean, that's, that's an awful fear, but that fear of rejection can be with us for the rest of our lives. Question we, you have when we're talking about fear, you know, dear God, why am I so afraid? Ask yourself this What would you do if this bad thing, whatever you picture in your mind, what would you do if that bad thing happened? What would be the worst thing that could happen to you? Would it be something involving your family? Would it be a health scare? Would it be a biopsy result, an email or a phone call saying, This is Dr. So and so's office, please call us? Would it be a financial disaster? Like 10 years ago when the 401ks turned into 201ks, you know, that, that was bad. Uh, would it be the anticipation? You know, sometimes the fear is as much anticipating something bad happening as the thing hap- bad thing happening itself. The anticipation of something terrible can trigger real genuine fear in our lives. So let's try to define what fear is. Fear is a primary emotion. You know, there's other emotions that are secondary. Anger, by the way, when somebody gets angry, that's usually a secondary emotion. And one of the reasons people get angry is because of the primary emotion of fear. They get scared of something. Have you ever seen the, the mother that is now yelling at her child because he started to run out into the street and he thought or she thought the child was gonna get hit by a car and so she's angrily yelling at her child, don't you ever do that again. But that anger is secondary to the fear that she felt. Fear is the central nervous system's way of alerting us that something is wrong. It is a distressing emotion aroused by impending danger, evil, or pain. And here's the key, whether the fear is real or imagined. Whether the fear is real or imagined. You know, it's it's interesting. This isn't the roller coaster kind of fear. That, you know, some people, especially like Halloween time, and I thought this was a good time to talk about it because during the season of Halloween, it seems like there are certain people out there, and I'm not one of them. But it's hard for me to relate to people like this. But there are certain people that like being afraid. They just love. Now, now I love a roller coaster ride, or I love you know going upside down and all around. Uh, that just sounds like fun to me. Uh, hopefully when, if the car stays on the rails, of course, um, the, the dream and the only reason I would want to go to Vegas now is because they have this roller coaster, I guess, on the top of a building and that just sounds like, wow, this would be a great thrill ride. I, of course, I'd be checking on the seatbelt about eight times before we took off. But anyway, uh, so that's, a, that's the kind of fear that's more of a thrill fear. But there are people that just love being scared. There are people, I mean, the horror movies that come out during this time of year and, the, and you, they're all on the television. I remember looking for a movie the other night and it seems like six or seven different channels I tried, they were all scary movies. And I'm thinking like, why? Why do people love, love being scared? It's a, it's, a, it's a very strange thing. You know, uh, Louis Giglio uh, wrote a book called Goliath Must Fall. And in that book, Goliath Must Fall, he talks about fear. And he talks about uh, flying in an airplane. And he says, you know, I fly in airplanes a lot. I travel and speak a lot. He's very familiar with his hometown airport in Atlanta. This particular flight was from Atlanta into New York City. And they're coming into LaGuardia Airport. Has anybody ever flown into the LaGuardia Airport? Okay. From what Louis Giglio says, uh, uh, the runway actually kind of goes out over the water. So there's one factor. The second factor is you're going in between these buildings. You're going in past Lady Liberty, he said, and these other buildings. So you're, you're navigating your way through there. And then the third factor, he says, is New York often does not have very good weather. This particular flight they were on, it was 36 degrees in New York City. The captain says, you know, this is your captain speaking, and we're going to be landing in LaGuardia Airport in about 20 minutes, so please fasten your seatbelts, and uh, flight attendants, please prepare for landing, and all that. And they they started to descend, and they descended into the clouds, and Louis Giglio knew enough about flying in airplanes. He knew enough to know that the pilot, if, if it's really fogged in and the visibility is almost nothing, that the planes can't land. So he says, I, I believe in faith that even though we're going through this cloud and this cloud doesn't seem to end, that somewhere we're gonna get below the cloud cover and it's gonna be just in time for us to be able to see the runway and we're gonna land. Well, Louis is a veteran, a veteran flyer. And so even though he was a little fearful and he's like, I can't see anything out the window, it's okay because he knows Good things are happening in the future. Well, the lady in front of him was not a frequent flyer, and she was scared to fly, and she kept looking out the window saying, how are we going to land this plane? We can't see out this window. We can't see anything. How are they going to see the runway? We can't land this plane. And she's gripping the, and, and she started yelling and screaming. Well, how are we going to land this plane? You can't land this plane. And finally, at the very end, just you know, maybe 10 seconds before actually touching down, they came down below the cloud cover, and she saw, and she says, oh, well, now we can see the runway. And, and all of a sudden, the, the, the genuine fear that she was, was feeling uh, came to an end. And he was talking about fearing. It says, how, but her fear was, how can we land if we can't see the ground? You know, I don't know what would happen to your life to cause you to fear. Uh, maybe your life is going okay now. Your work is steady. Maybe your relationships are fulfilling. Your kids are doing well, reasonably well. <laughs> this, uh, and then all of a sudden, sometimes it happens. You know, when life is going well, Do some of you have the feeling that I do sometimes that life has been going too well for too long and now you're waiting for, I should have a shoe up here, for the shoe to drop, right? And something is going to fall out. The bottom's going to fall out and fear's going to kick in and a quiet whisper in your mind snags your attention and the next thing you know, you're on the worry train. What if, what if that really happens? What if that happens? And now your heart is racing and your stomach is churning and you're picturing this terrible future. And you look up in desperation you say dear god why why am i so afraid fear can knock us off our game fear can immediately take us out of the present reality when just moments before we were experiencing joy and contentment we don't like the change at all what just happened we let fear we we let it come in and occupy our thoughts and the worry that goes with it and we let it hinder our lives Well, here's the great thing about God. God is our maker. He's our creator. He knows us better even than we know ourselves. God knows our tendency to let our minds and our imaginations run away with fearful thoughts. And so God speaks to us. And God is there to help us even in our weakest moments of fear. Do you know what the most common command in the Bible is? It's not... L- about lying. It's not about stealing. It's not about murder. It's not about most of those commandments at all. It's not about lust or idolatry. The most common command in the Bible is do not fear or do not be afraid. So many people live their lives paralyzed by fear. In the future, I'm just giving you a foreshadowing. It may, it may not happen till the spring. If you're still around, you'll say, oh yeah, he told us this back in October. Uh, I want to do a, a series on the four most common fears, and, and not the phobias, because remember what a phobia? A phobia is more of an irrational fear, but some of these fears are real fe- fears based on uh, things that really have happened to us or or could be reality. I want to do the. Uh, I, I will be talking about the four most common fears that people suffer from. The number one is the fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of intimacy and fear of losing control. And maybe you can look at one of those and say, you know, hey, uh, one, two, three, four, I don't have all four of them, but one of them, wow, one of them has really had a grip on me in certain places in my life. I do want to do a message series, but I'm not going to do it on that because I want to talk about something else. There was a great German theologian of the last century. His name is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Eric Metaxas, who wrote the biography on Martin Luther that we talked about last year at this time and the Great Reformation and the 500-year anniversary of, the, of the, how the Great Reformation started when he posted those uh, theses on the Wittenberg door. Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer is another great hero of the German faith, and Eric Metaxas wrote a biography on him as well. In 1933... Anybody remember what happened in Germany in 1933? There was an election, and somebody got elected chancellor of Germany. His name was Adolf Hitler. In 1933, Dietrich Bonhoeffer preached a message about fear just about the same time Hitler came to power. This is what Bonhoeffer said about fear. Now, fear leers that person in the face. And fear says this, Here we are all by ourselves you and I, and now I'm showing you my true face. And anyone who has seen naked fear revealed, anyone who has been its victim in terrifying loneliness, whether it's fear of an important decision or fear of a heavy stroke of fate, fear of losing one's job, fear of an illness, fear of a vice that can no longer be resisted, fear to which one is enslaved, fear of disgrace, Fear of another person, fear of dying. If anybody has experienced that, that person knows that fear is only one of the faces of evil itself, one form by which the world, which is at enmity with God, grasps for someone Nothing can make a human being so conscious of the reality of powers opposed to God in our lives as this loneliness, as this helplessness, this fog that spreads over everything, this sense that there is no way out of this hopelessness. You know, I can't imagine anybody writing with that depth, talking about fear who hasn't gone through it himself. But here's something about fear. Here's a reality about fear Uh, that I think we need to keep in mind. And you can try to remember this as an acrostic. You can write it in your bulletins. I think there's some fill-in-the-blanks there. Fear, F-E-A-R, is actually many times false evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. Now, why would I even bring up this acrostic? Why would I even mention this? 500 years ago, there was a French philosopher. His name was Michel de Montaigne. I wish I could talk like him. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle, uh, he says, my life has been filled with terrible misfortune, most of which never happened. <laughs> Let me say that again. My li- <laughs> he, says, he says, my life has been filled with terrible misfortune, most of which never happened. The truth is, much of what we are afraid of. Much of what we fear is going to happen never happens. Check out the statistic. Now, I don't often recommend the Huffington Post, but I did get this information from the Huff. Um, lo and behold, it says it turns out that 85% of what subjects worried about never happened. Is that good news? Five out of six things. That you and I worry about never happened. And with the 15% that did happen, most subjects discovered either they could handle the difficulty better than expected, or the difficulty taught them a lesson that was worth learning. I think that's, that's great, um, the, a lesson that is worth learning. The, the trouble is, with fear, a lot of us never actually get to the point where we overcome. We never actually learn the lesson that we were supposed to. You realize, if the most common command in the Bible is do not fear, then you have to, you have to think there's got to be a lot of places in the Bible where people were afraid. Let me remind you, And I'll give you, this is foreshadowed, I'll give you 18 examples in the Bible. So here comes 18 slides of when people were afraid in the Bible. And maybe if you can't relate to one of them, I I almost guarantee you that you can relate to something uh, to another one. First fear that is mentioned in the Bible, can you imagine? Right there in the garden, right after the first sin of disobedience where they ate the forbidden fruit, Adam and Eve, And Adam is being called by God at the end of the day in the cool of the garden, and God says to Adam, where are you? And he answered, I heard you were in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. What does fear cause us to do? Makes us afraid. It makes us want to hide, sometimes even hide from God if we're ashamed that we're going to be afraid that he's going to punish us or that he's going to reject us from relationship with him. Let's see another example. Here's God speaking to Jacob. God says to Jacob, now, now, this is where Joseph has been discovered now. He's the prince of Egypt and he's the prime minister and he's in charge and he's inviting his whole family to come down from Canaan area in Palestine down to Egypt uh, because of the famine. And God speaks to Jacob, his father, and he says, I am God, the God of your father, he said. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt. For I will make you into a great nation there. And 400 years later, over a million Israelites, descendants of these 70 people that went down there, and you can do the math, it's possible. You have to have about five or six kids per family, but in 400 years, you can have over a million people that they went, they came out of the promised land. God turned him into a great nation there, kept his promise to Jacob there. Moses, the famous uh, passage where Moses is with God's people at the Red Sea, and they see the Red Sea in front of them, and they see the Egyptian army behind them. And who wouldn't panic in a time like that? You know, some fears are actually based on reality. <laughs> they were going to die. And a lot of times people are afraid in the Bible, it's because if God did not intervene right there, they would they would die. They were going to get slaughtered by the Egyptian army. And so Moses answered the people and he says to them, do not be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians, that army that you think is gonna slaughter you that you see today, you will never see again. And God kept his promise. God kept his promise to Joshua. God is speaking to Joshua, who is now the new leader of God's people. After Moses, the great leader for 40 years, the prophet of God, he died. God, are you still going to be with us? And God says to Joshua, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Where is the promise keeper song, be bold and be strong? Because I, every time I, pick, I read this verse, I picture that song in my head. Uh, f- fear is very common in the Bible. That's God to Joshua. How about God to his people? This is, this is one of those passages. Pastors have to learn this. This is pastoral uh, theology 101. When you go to visit somebody who's, who's having a very hard time, anxious and afraid, and you pray with them, keep this verse in mind. This is a great verse to share with people. God to his people in Isaiah. So do not fear, for I am your God. Do not be dismayed, for I am Excuse me, I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Great promise from a loving God in the Bible. And it reminds us, too, that God is with us. We have a relationship with him, and he's going to be with us no matter what we go through in this life. Uh, Boaz, anybody remember the story of Ruth? We're going to be talking about it in the month of November. Boaz says to Ruth in chapter three, he says to her, and now my daughter, do not be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. I think it was one of those she proposed to him kind of scenarios and maybe there was a a fear that he wouldn't accept it or he would reject her being a Moabitess, uh, not an Israelite. And he says, do not be afraid, my daughter. I will do for you all that you ask. Uh, Elisha, the prophet is now uh, being surrounded by the Aramean army and the whole army and their horses and chariots were surrounding the prophet Elisha and his servant Gehazi. And Elisha says to him, because Gehazi is in the panic mode, Elisha, we're doomed. We're surrounded by all this army. And Elisha says to him, don't be afraid. The prophet answered, those who are with us, are more than those who are with them. I wonder if John was reading that passage recently when he wrote that in 1 John. Greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. The people of Judah who were trying to rebuild the temple, look how fear can paralyze somebody from doing what God has called them to do. Look, they're trying to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. It says, Then the peoples around them set out to to discourage the people of Judah and make them afraid to go on building. And the people of Judah disobeyed God. They stopped reconstructing the temple. And it took two prophets at the end of the Old Testament. It took Haggai and Zechariah to show up and say, Keep building what God called you to build. Do not be afraid of these people. In fact, Nehemiah was sent to rebuild the wall. After they rebuilt the temple itself and Nehemiah says to his fellow Israelites who were rebuilding the wall and they were being uh, threatened to be attacked and fear was overtaking the camp in there and so uh, Nehemiah says, uh, I need to speak some truth into your lives. Nehemiah says, after I looked these things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord your God who is great and awesome and fight for your families and your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Do not be afraid. David says to the world in Psalm 27, he says, the Lord, here's another song, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? He had the right perspective. Of whom should he be afraid if the Lord is his light and his salvation and his stronghold? God said to Jeremiah the prophet as he was beginning his ministry, a young teenager, he says, don't be afraid of them, for I am with you and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. Jeremiah had a long career as a prophet and he had to learn not to fear. God says to Daniel, Daniel's praying and he's not getting an answer. He's prayed for 21 days and he still didn't get an answer from God. And God finally showed up and the angel of the Lord spoke to Daniel and he said, do not be afraid, you who are highly esteemed. He says, peace, be strong now, be strong. Joseph was, Joseph the, who was engaged to Mary, not Joseph, the prime minister of Egypt. Joseph was considering divorcing Mary because she was found to be pregnant and it wasn't his child. And the angel of the Lord says to Joseph, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Reminded Joseph of the truth of what really happened and that he didn't need to be afraid to take Mary as his wife. Jesus says to his followers in Luke 12, he says this many times to his followers. I only took one example. He says, Jesus said, Sorry, Jesus says to his followers, is that on here? I'll I'll read it to you. It says, do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Jesus says to his followers on the night he was betrayed, he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Easier said than done, thinking that Jesus was going to lead them. The angel saying to the women at Jesus' tomb, I mean, there's just, I I chose 18 examples. I was going to overwhelm you with all of these passages just so you could say it's all throughout the scriptures. The angel to the women on the first resurrection morning, the angel says to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He is risen. You don't have to be afraid anymore. Jesus says to Paul, Paul's in Corinth. Paul is getting spiritual persecution and attack around him. Paul is getting fearful. I be, I, I'm bet I. just going to shut up. I'm not going to preach the gospel anymore. And Jesus speaks to Paul in a vision at night. The Lord spoke to Paul in a vision, and he says, do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. And if you read the rest of the passage, he says, and this is encouragement to me here in Sebastopol, he says, I have many people in this city many people in this city. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. And then finally in Hebrews, God to us, his people, and he says, so we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me, to a church who is under persecution? What can mere mortals do to me Our life is with Christ forever. We're seated with him in the heavenlies. One day we're going to be there forever. The life that we live on this earth is so short. So we do not have to be afraid. Uh, The Lord is going to be with us. The Lord is our helper. So you say, hey, Jim, thanks for bombarding me with all these Bible verses on being afraid. Why did you do it? Well, I'm telling you all these verses because, the, because here's the point. All these passages, what was in common? They all say, do not fear. They all say, do not be afraid. And what was also along with the do not be afraid? A reminder to the people, this is why you don't be afraid because this is who God is. The more you focus on God, the more you focus on his promises to his people, his promises to care for you, to sustain you, to comfort you, to bless you, to encourage you, to help you endure and overcome. The more you focus on God, the less and less you and I are going to be hindered and paralyzed by fear. All right, back to the bulletin. You have some fill in the blanks. How to confront, how to confront and overcome your fears. I just went through a process in my own mind, and I said, when I'm afraid, what am I supposed to do? What does God tell me to do? So some of these may seem slow, and it's like step one, step two, but here we go. Number one, stop and think, what am I really afraid of? What is it that you're really fearing? What is that thing that you do not want to happen that you're afraid is going to happen? Specifically, identify that. Identify your fear. And then ask yourself, is there any truth from God that I need to consider? Truth from God. Is God ever going to abandon me? Am I going to be left to myself? Nope. God says he's going to be with me always. What's some other truth from God? I will help you. I will sustain you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. When you pass through the waters, you will not drown. When you pass through the fire, you will not be burned because God will be with me. What is the truth from God? What is it from God's word that can apply right to where you are in your situation? And then here's the next step. What does God want me to do when I feel afraid? Do not be anxious for anything, right? Anxiety is another way of saying, I'm scared, God. I'm fearful something is going to happen. I have anxiety. The Bible says, cast your cares on him. Cast your anxieties on the Lord because he cares for you. So when I'm afraid, what does God want me to do? He wants you to pray. I pray with God, number six. I pray with God and I share my fears with him. God, this is what I'm going through. This is what I'm scared of. This is what I'm asking you to take care of. And God, I'm gonna take the fear and anxieties that I feel right now and I'm gonna hand them over to you. And, and then I'm gonna trust, number eight, I'm gonna trust that God will take care of me, that God, because of Jesus, because of my relationship with God through Christ, he hears, he will He will not just hear and listen to my prayers. He will answer the prayers that he is gonna take care of me and my needs and in faith. Then I say, God, I'm I'm releasing this, this weight of fear and anxiety that's on me. I'm giving it over to you. Lord, please take care of it. You are the one in charge. You're the one who loves me. You're the one who says you're gonna take care of all my needs and you'll supply all my needs according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So I'm giving this over to you. And in faith, I appropriate The peace of God which transcends all understanding. Appropriate the peace of God which transcends all understanding. Give your cares to God and don't take them back. Give your cares over to God and do not take them back. Because, I mean, I wonder what God says to us. I, and I've done this many, many times. So maybe you can relate to this. You know, you, you, you're fearful of something. You're afraid something's going to happen. You have, you're all anxious about it. You pray to God. You say, God, please take care of that. Thank you, Lord, for hearing my prayers. Thank you for answering. I'm just going to see what you're going to do about that. And instead of walking away with the peace of God, it's like I take one, Two and on the third step, I'm back to worrying about it. I'm back to being afraid about it. I'm back to being concerned about it. So God, it, it, God is probably. I, I know He's saying to us, "Give your cares over to Me." God says, and don't take them back. Be like David in the Psalms. Well, greatest thing about the Psalms is you have this honest raw emotion of God's people who are writing to God saying God this is how I feel and you need to know it and sometimes it's not pretty what they're saying to God sometimes it's like distrust and anger and disappointment but he said but David says this when I am afraid not if because I think we all go through fears In our lives at certain points, in certain times, certain seasons, not if, but when I am afraid, I will trust in you. And and I'll say something else, because we've been talking about life groups, and October is like, join a life group. This is the month to get into a life group if you're not in one now. And all you life group leaders out there... I'm just going to say to you, please have one chair that's open. Maybe there's somebody in our congregation today that's not in a group that wants to be in a group. Please be open to accepting them. Don't be the holy huddle. Don't be that whatever corral. (laughs) Uh, Have an open hand in case somebody wants to join your group. Because here's what else I want to say. that. It's not just when I'm afraid, I will trust in you, God, but when I'm afraid, I'm going to share my prayer request. I'm going to share my burden with, with other people in God's people, and they're going to pray with me and for me, and I, I know that you guys can all testify this. When you share your burden, that burden gets lighter, and the Bible tells us, the Bible commands us as a church, it says, we are to carry each other's burdens, carry each other's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. I think one of the way we carry each other's burdens is we say, does anybody have something that we can lift you up in prayer this week? Anything you want to see God do in your life? And then we pray for each other. And when we do, that burden helps to be lifted and we carry each other's burdens and we keep praying for each other during the week. I know your group does that uh, on Tuesday nights. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. The most common The most common command in the Bible, we said, is do not be afraid. Do you know what one of the most common promises in the Bible is? Jesus says to his followers, I will never leave you. I will never forsake or abandon you. I will never abandon you. Isn't that amazing? God never asks us from God never asks something from us that he's not willing to do for us. Here's here's what Dietrich Bonhoeffer, remember, he, he gave this really deep description of fear but here's what he says about how to overcome he says so when you are afraid look to christ keep him before your eyes see it's all about what we focus on we either let the fear come in and focus and occupy our thoughts and our fears and emotions or we get away from the fear and we look to christ instead keep Christ before your eyes call upon Christ and pray to him believe that he is with you now helping you and then fear will grow pale and fade away and you will be free how do you get free from fear you give your fears over to Christ you let him carry them you remind yourself that he is with you and he's going to be with you forever keep him before your eyes Helping you now, then the fear will grow pale and fade away, and you will be free, though your faith in our strong and living Savior, Jesus Christ. That, that faith in our living Savior just grows. David said it. He said it right. When I am afraid, I will trust in thee. I will trust in you. Why? Because the Lord, the Lord is our helper. Amen. Amen. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come on up and I'm gonna close in a word of prayer and I invite you to bow your heads with me. Dear God, this morning, I confess to you that way too much of the time I go to those dark places of fear and I worry and I focus my thinking on all the negative what if." bad things that could happen to me and and to people that I care about. And really, God, when it comes down to it, so many of my fears and anxiety, they're they're about things that, that never happened or they're about things that aren't going to happen. God, forgive me for focusing on negative, fearful thoughts. When you say, take your anxieties and cast them on you, you say when I'm afraid I will trust in you take a, t- that Lord when I give you my burdens you promise to carry them and you promise to give me your peace that transcends all understanding God again I've probably tried this many times in my life but Lord I'm asking you again help me to take the fear and give it to you and to replace it with your peace And the assurance that you are going to be with me. You're going to walk with me through whatever I have to go through. Lord, forgive me for not remembering you. Lord, forgive me for when I forget your watch care over my life. Forgive me when I forget that your love never fails. Your love never gives up. Your love never runs out on me. God, forgive me when I forget your promise that I have eternal life. In your son, Jesus, Lord, sometimes I forget that nothing can snatch me out of Jesus, my good shepherd's hand. Help me remember that you are with me in every moment of every day, that nothing is impossible for you, though it looks impossible to me. And Lord, finally, help me to remember that because you live, I can face tomorrow. Lord, because you live, all the fear can be gone. And God, keep reminding me that in your presence, as long as I'm in your presence, Lord, you say there is fullness of joy. Lord, help me to get rid of the fear and to replace it with the joy that is in your presence. In the name of our great Savior Jesus, we pray these things and everyone said, amen.